0: Thought Capital. The world changed dramatically.
1: Sustainable business practices.
0: Phenomenally important with young people. Riding the Chinese tiger.
1: Leadership goes beyond making a profit.
0: Let's be forward thinking.
1: We do need to accommodate
0: difference. Hello, I'm Michael Pascoe. If we're ever to have equality. Welcome to Thought Capital, the podcast that delves into the wealth of ideas created by the experts at Monash Business School in Melbourne, Australia. We saw it all in the Financial Services Royal Commission. Corporate greed, lies and deceit. Examples of people's lives wrecked by the behaviour of banks. They had failed customers. Among other things, Commissioner Kenneth Hayne pointed his finger at culture and remuneration structures, profit before people. Did you think yourself that taking money uh, to which there was no entitlement raised a question of the criminal law. There are other ways to run a business. Australia has hundreds of mutuals and cooperative companies in everything from agriculture to credit unions, building societies to consumer co-ops. At least in theory and generally in practice, they run on different principles.
1: I'm Judith Downs, and I'm the chair of Bank Australia, which is a mutual bank. I really like working with a mutual model it removes a sense of conflict between doing the very best thing for your customers and generating the very best profit for your investors.
0: Dr Paul Sambar and Professor Matt Hall from the Department of
1: Accounting at Monash Business School
0: are developing a framework to measure the value produced in these kinds of companies. And we're looking at what mutuals and co-ops can teach investor-owned companies, such as the big banks, about long-term ethical behaviour to benefit customers welcome to thought capital well first of all what do you mean by measuring co-ops and mutuals we haven't been well we have
2: we've uh, we've been measuring them for a long time and uh, they do uh, use uh, the normal accounting measures but those measures fall short because these are commercial companies with a commercial focus but also with a very strong uh, social purpose And uh, they feel they are unable to measure the total value they create because accounting rules and uh, accounting standards don't uh, capture all that an organization does.
0: Matt, you're a professor of accounting. You've failed your profession. (laughs) Well, in some ways we have.
3: Yeah, it's hard to know. I mean, I guess we were used to looking at either, you know, investor-owned firms or charities, NGOs, or the government. They're the kind of three sectors we get taught about. We don't really get taught much about mutuals and co-ops.
0: Well, let's start with basics. Well, you've been trying to measure that social purpose, that extra. What are you finding?
3: I think we're finding it gets very hard. Profit doesn't capture it. And so what we've been trying to do uh, last year is look at all the different ways that mutuals and co-ops have been
2: uh, experimenting with measuring the, this extra, this social purpose? We have come up with uh, this uh, six dimensions that they can you know, think about in terms of the value they create and then therefore what they should be measuring. So things like commerciality, how they actually make profits. Another key thing they do is they shape markets. So they go into a market to keep the bastards honest, as they say. They create value through the relationships they have with members, with the community, and with the broader ecosystem. One CEO explained to us, it's a bit like a, a school building. When your kids are in school, you're f- paying into the building fund to fund the, the school building. But your kids are probably not going to benefit from that. It's going to be the future uh, kids who, who will benefit from that. But your kids are benefiting from the investments made into the building uh, fund by previous generations. So it's this idea of you know ecosystem and reciprocity. The third area is, is around this idea of what we call mutual mindset. Yeah, so this is a term that we sort
3: of learnt from our research. It's sort of getting at how mutuals behave and act differently to, say, investor-owned firms. We hear stories like, you know, some co-ops and mutuals literally have like a like a figure or a a figurine of a member that they literally put on the table to remind themselves that that's what they're there for so when they make decisions that it's the member rather than the you know the CEO's bonus that's at, at the center of making a decision now that of
0: course that varies we're not saying all mutuals and co-ops do that you've interviewed more than 200 representatives of mutuals and co-ops as part of this research have you been able to formulate an idea of a particular culture Or is there too much diversity across them?
2: So the culture, in a sense, is is quite different to uh, uh, an investor-owned firm. But most of the executives uh, and managers in these organisations have come from the beginning of town. So they do bring that sort of uh, uh, same sort of ethos. But then that's progressively changed over as they mix in with those who have been around in the cooperatives for a long time. There is no incentive to play the customer of the the member or the shareholder because they are both the one. The the upper end of the, the, the organization doesn't get bonuses. The incentives and the bonuses are, are more at the lower end.
3: Yeah even in banks
2: yeah even in the banks. Are you being are you, you're being incentivized to sell a product? It's about have you met the member's need holistically?
0: Let's start with the basics. A mutual is not a charity nor is it an investor owned firm. A mutual sits somewhere in between, where they both make a profit and have a strong social focus. A lot of mutuals are in the financial sector, whereas many co-ops are found in other sectors of the economy, such as agriculture. Mutuals tend to be governed by federal legislation and co-ops by state legislation. Most importantly, they are member-owned as opposed to owned by investors, which means the people who use them own them. The customer and the member are one and the same. Judith Downs is the chair of a
1: mutual bank, Bank Australia. We do not pay bonuses. We do reward our lowest level of staff with small amounts for each year, for depending on how well they've done in their job. It's not a sales reward. It's a how well you have done in your job reward. So because there's no bonus culture, the staff don't come in thinking, well, if I confess that we've made mistakes, I'm going to lose my bonus. There's no bonus to be lost. When we think about the Royal Commission, probably the most stark contrast was the press that the industry super funds, who are mutuals, received compared with some of the press that the retail superannuation funds received. And a lot of that, I think, is driven by the culture of the organisations. In a mutual organisation because the alignment between the owners and the customers, the culture tends to be different, there tends to be a greater focus on service and the customers and it was that that the retail superannuation industry lost sight of. For us, and I think this would be true for many mutuals, our constitution starts with a forward that says quite clearly. As a mutual organisation, we operate for the benefit of our customers. They are also our owners. It's engraven on our minds. <laughs> I say it's on my forehead when I sit round the board table.
0: It's surprised me for years that particularly the financial mutuals haven't grown and done better. Mm. Because complaining about banks Is the average Australian second biggest sport behind (laughs) housing
3: prices.
0: (laughs) And yet, they stay, they don't move. I I
3: mean, I don't know why people don't switch. I mean, I've personally been a member of of a mutual bank
2: for 15 years. Well, just on that, we've we've been doing some follow-up interviews with with these mutuals, and I was at one of the mutual banks the other day, and they were telling me that they are growing in terms of their deposits, uh, of their balance sheet, five times the system growth. So they're just unable to cope with the the tremendous growth that they're facing, uh, you know, experiencing right now, and partly because of the obviously the the, the fallout from the royal commission,
0: like the industry super funds yes. have oh. never had money pouring in the doors the way yep. they are mm-hmm. thanks to Kenneth Hayne. Yep. Part of the royal commission's fighting was about remuneration structures and that incentive that can drive behaviours. Have you been able to measure? A definite difference in remuneration structure, and the outcome you see, particularly in financial mutuals, we think they seem
3: to get remunerated on a broader range of things. We certainly didn't find any who had this sort of sales remuneration culture where it's all just about selling. In fact, that, you know, often they would tell us it's the opposite of that. You you might even get pulled up if you're sort of selling, you know, unnecessary
2: products to to members there's a clear sense within these organizations of do the right thing it's it's almost a given they're all about doing the right thing by the member so that i think drives a lot of their behavior
0: This is Thought Capital from Monash Business School. I'm Michael Pascoe. Greed is good, the Gordon Gecko character declared in the movie Wall Street, and so it seemed to be in corporate Australia. Even when corporate greed was called out, there was little change. The million-dollar bonuses continued to be paid, along with the golden handshakes and parachutes, sometimes despite poor performance. Do those attitudes exist in mutuals and co-ops? money speaks all languages?
3: I think it depends a little bit on the kind of mutual. I mean, that's Ooh. another thing. You know, they, they can be very different. You can have a large mutual who is, you know, the members are business owners and, you know, they're very much interested in that mutual or co-op for their own commercial purposes compared to, say, a, you know, a roadside mutual where you might, you know, you, you use them only when your car breaks down uh, once a year. How how
0: important is the connectivity with the members that it doesn't become a self-perpetuating management?
2: Well, they have members being involved in a a number of areas. So certainly most of these mutuals and co-ops have uh, member elected directors. And and
3: member apathy is actually a real issue that co-ops and mutuals grapple with, particularly if you have a big, say, insurance mutual or financial mutual where... You know, if you're just paying your premiums you're a member but you know would do you necessarily want to be involved in the governance and so I think a lot of them struggle with how to engage a very large dispersed member base which is very different from say you know a, a little credit union who used to operate in a country town making sure members even know they're a member of a co-op or a mutual uh, which a lot of the cases uh, they don't uh, so that that can be very difficult.
0: in the end, The Royal Commission caught big banks being caught up by their own greed. Their reputations were tarnished. What can those big banks perhaps learn from mutuals? If you incentivise sales, it's not surprising that's
3: what people will do. I mean, we teach this stuff Mm. in our normal courses, and this is like Incentives 101. Mm. So broadening out the range of things that you reward people on, which may have to include some sort of softer things, like, you know, are you nice to customers? Do you look after their interests? Uh, Things like that. Uh, I think mutuals would have a lot to say about how to do that uh, effectively.
0: What does that teach you about sustainability of a business?
2: I heard uh, recently one of our corporate leaders making the statement that we need to wean our shareholders of this idea that more profit is better, then less profit. If you want to have a sustainable business model, you need to do some of the things that we've identified in our uh, work. Things like uh, thinking and acting for the long term as well as the short term. Shaping the market, you know, going into a market and being there for a period of time to establish and and, and shape that market. Thinking about the the ecosystem that you're part of and, and seeing whether it's, a, you can do a win-win for everyone, not just a win-lose sort of scenario. There's a lot that they can take from this sector, you know, being trustworthy, just
0: doing what you say you will do. Chair of Bank Australia, Judith Downs again.
1: In a mutual, the amount of profit is not necessarily what you're aiming for. You might be aiming to, as, it, as we do at Bank Australia, provide your customers with both a better service and better rates than they generally get from the large banks. It's very hard to measure that because the advertised rates of the big banks are not necessarily what their customers get. But we do, of course, monitor what our competitors do, which are the big banks, and, and try and make sure that we're giving our customers not only better service but better rates. There are also other undefinable things that you can give your customers. So at the moment we're running a campaign on clean money which is asking people to think about what the money they put in their bank is doing where's it working what sort of industries is your bank lending to and investing in so where is your money at work for people that are aligned with our values that's an additional extra if you like so stay in business is we have to give the service people want we have to give the technology they want, the distribution they want and the better rates, better on all those things if we can. But then mutuals can also give that additional bit because they're not just focused on the profit and the return. So for us it's being very transparent about what we stand for and uh, what our values are and how we act in the community, promoting our track record in conservation and the environment and in community investment and community involvement. Much harder to measure that impact than it is to measure straight profit.
0: Where does this research take you? What happens next as you try to get a a better handle on measuring?
2: So it's a two-year study. We finished the first year where we basically tried to understand three things. What value do they create? How do they create it? And what sort of measurements are they using now to measure whatever they are creating? So that's the first year. Now we are developing, based on that, we are developing a, designing a framework, we are co-designing it with them, and by the end of the year, hopefully what we will have is a, a mutual value measurement framework, as we call it, which these organisations can then take and customise and use it to measure the value that they are creating. And what we mean by measure is not just come down to one number, but measure on a, on a range of different dimensions. And be able to talk about the value they create, you know, using this common dimension. That itself is a, is a, is a win for them because you can then say, you know, you're an agricultural co-op over there, I'm a mutual bank here, but we are still measuring and creating value in,
0: in the same way. This is exciting research which has potential beyond the mutuals and co-ops. What happens if you then take that framework and apply it to an investor-owned institution? Yeah, I think it could be very
3: revealing, especially, uh, you know, we've got a dimension around, you know, putting members first, doing the right thing, acting for the long term. Uh, It would be quite interesting if you had not only mutuals and co-ops articulating how
0: they do those things, but also, you know, investor-owned firms. What's the feedback you've received from the mutuals and the co-ops after the first year? Uh, It's been pretty
2: good. Uh, No one's um, pushed back on any of the the six dimensions that we have come up with. No one's sort of pushed back on any of the key findings of the report. Uh, And they're looking forward to the the next phase where we actually come up with a framework.
0: Are there any international comparisons?
2: There are other frameworks, but nothing specifically for the mutual sector. And one of the outcomes from this study uh, that uh, the industry wants is to actually take it out globally.
0: This is exciting, it's new research, but in the end, who's going to benefit from it?
3: The co-ops and mutuals themselves uh, should be able to benefit by better articulating the value that they create, particularly uh, around these dimensions that we've identified. We think having this shared shared language and concepts is often the first thing you need to tell a good story about you know the value that you're creating. It should also help the members... I don't think the members of co-ops and mutuals necessarily understand what value they would get from being a member of a mutual or a co-op compared to an investor-owned firm, for example. And then we think it will also help the whole sector that will enable them to tell a more coherent story as a sector as a whole. You know, this is what differentiates mutuals and co-ops from other uh, types of organisations.
0: What's the incentive for mutuals to get better at what they do,
2: to grow? There is a recognition now, I think, in the community that you need to have diversity in business models. So we've had the investor-owned business model and we've had the charitable model. We're seeing now in the charitable sector the, the social entrepreneurs coming along and mixing you know, the, the, that model a bit. And I think there is a space in, in this whole uh, area for a different type of business model and a model that can maybe uh, cancel out some of the negativity that we have seen with the excesses of the investor-owned model, as we have seen through the Royal Commission and through other other things that have happened. There's plenty of incentive right now for these organizations to buy into this. But there's also personal incentives
3: for the executives in the sense of, I mean, a lot of them we've talked to, they get a bit tired of working in investor-owned firms where they feel that the only thing they're really aiming at is delivering returns for shareholders. That becomes a bit meaningless, uh, as they <clears> say to us. And so I think a lot of them, particularly at the senior level, move over into co-ops and mutuals because they want to do something a bit different. They they want to be able to say, yeah, work on a business idea for five or ten years and then see it come to fruition. Uh, There's a real sense of personal satisfaction Mm. that they get.
0: So a year into this project, uh, you've interviewed more than 200 representatives. You've got to know a lot of mutuals and co-ops. How does it leave you feeling about the outlook for this business structure?
2: I think there's a lot of promise. Uh, I mean, I'm certainly uh, quite uh, excited about, uh, you know, working with uh, this business model. There are challenges in terms of... uh, helping people understand what this model is all about. They refer to themselves as the ninja economy, you know, hiding out in plain sight. So they know that they've got a a big challenge. I'm quite hopeful that they will actually be able to, uh, you know, build on what we are doing and and all the other initiatives that they're taking to... uh, to promote this business model and make it more available and more uh, accessible to uh, to people. One of the impediments I would see
3: to them growing is that sometimes they're perhaps not as cooperative as they could be with, with each other. The sector level uh, organisation has only been around for a relatively short time and they've been able to achieve a lot uh, in that time. But I think that sort of speaks a little bit to you know the, the need for more, perhaps more cooperation amongst the co-ops and mutuals themselves. And maybe that's the key to them becoming more prominent.
0: Thank you to Matt Hall and Paul Famba for sharing your research with us. We also heard from Judith Downs, Chair of Bank Australia. Thanks for talking to us. You've been listening to Thought Capital from Monash Business School. You can find more episodes on iTunes, Spotify and Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Tina Zanu. Editor is Nadia Hume. Sound production by Richard Edlin. Executive producer is Helen Westerman. Thought Capital is recorded at Monash School of Media, Film and Journalism.